G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. The Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull reportedly aiming to move on swiftly from the resignation yesterday of Senator Cory Bernardi from the Liberal Party. Senator Bernardi has moved to the crossbench to form the Australian Conservatives and insists that defecting was the toughest path that he could have chosen denying his decision will destabilise the Prime Minister's leadership. Well, some analysts are saying that the Conservative side of politics is devouring itself. So, is Cory Bernardi's departure a sign of deeper challenges within the Liberal Party, within the Conservative side of politics, or is it a reflection of frustration among Conservative voters? Well, let's welcome our special guest to 2020, Stephen Shavura. Uh, Back to 2020, he is a political theorist and intellectual historian. He's an ARC Senior Research Associate with the Department of Modern History, Politics and International Relations at Macquarie University in Sydney. Uh, Dr Stephen Shavura, welcome back to 2020. Really great to be here. Thank you very much, Neil. Well, Steve, was this, uh, before we get into some of the the nitty-gritty, and we're going to talk about the conservative side of politics in Australia, but was this a surprise for you that uh, Cory Bernardi uh, split from the Liberals and has formed the Australian Conservatives? No, I mean, um, he'd been hinting at it for a little while now, um, and it was becoming increasingly clear that uh, his his particular kind of conservatism, which we can talk about in a second, uh, was not shared by probably the majority of his colleagues in the Liberal Party. So I think it was really just a matter of waiting for him to make his move, which, of course, he did uh, more, sort of soon after his re-election into the Senate. A lot of people will be asking why he left, and of course, uh, seven months after the last election, and uh, his critics are saying uh, he stood under a Liberal banner, and in fact, not much has changed in the last seven months. In fact, Malcolm Turnbull appears to be moving along even a more uh, centrist position, moving right even within the Liberal Party, and so uh, people are asking why Bernardi might be leaving at this point. What are your thoughts? Well, I think it's a, a very fair question to ask, and you know the, the answer isn't necessarily all that obvious, but it certainly looks like what Bernardi is trying to do is strategically give himself as much time as possible to establish a strong independent base, a strong base for himself and his new party, Australian Conservatives. Now, Bernardi has until uh, 2022 to be able to do that, so I think... He's sort of thinking um, in terms of how long will it take for him not just to bolster his own support uh, uh, in South Australia now that he's separated himself from the Liberals, but also how to generate support for his new party in other states um, uh, that have uh, conservative inclinations but uh, currently um, heavily voting for some of his main conservative rivals, which will be, say, the One Nation Party. So 
a very strategic move, but I, I, I sense that Bernardi uh, probably has thought it through a lot. And I think at the end of the day, Bernardi's principal concern will be just to ensure that he, he, he keeps his own seat. And if he can get more uh, Senate seats in the process over the next six, six years, then that'll be the icing on the cake. What's your reflection of what's been going on within the Liberal Party? Because people keep talking about the right and uh, the conservative elements within the Liberal Party. And then, of course, there are those who are more warm towards Malcolm Turnbull, who's clearly left-leaning as a leader of what was our Conservative Party. When you talk about the clash of values within the Liberal Party, what's your reflection? Yeah, well, I mean, this is, you know, conservatism. The word, you know, doesn't necessarily mean all that much anymore, but but sort of conservatism in the Liberal Party has always been torn between two factions, and that is those who are conservative economically and those whose conservatism is not simply economic but also social. So conservatism over the last sort of particularly sort of 30 years has split between the groups that you might call the libertarians and then the groups that you might call the traditionalists. But then you have other individuals who sort of cross over both. So you have traditionalists who value family values, who would uh, value sort of a sort of a cultural uniformity, so they'd be anti uh, certain aspects of immigration, for example, uh, mass Islamic immigration. They call themselves pro-family values, so they'd be anti-abortion on demand. They'd be anti-same-sex marriage, and you have those who, yeah, who who adopt those traditionalist values, but also uh, adopt some uh, sort of economic libertarianism. That is the idea that the government should have as little as possible to do with the with the economic system, so free trade, and also as little as possible to do with economic contracts between individuals, and that would mean between employers and employees. So your classic sort of social traditionalist economic libertarians would be someone like John Howard, uh, Tony Abbott, and Corey Bernardi is also one of those. So you, you have sort of those within the, the, the clash of conservatisms that sort of fall between the cracks. But basically what's been happening is that conservatism has uh, splint, uh, has, has sort of cracked into two major groups, uh, those who represent uh, cultural traditionalism and those who aren't particularly concerned with cultural traditionalism but are very concerned with keeping government as small as possible and they're just not getting along well with one another. So Bernardi falls into that social traditionalist libertarian uh, mould. Is that the way? Have I got that right? How do you describe yeah. him? Yeah, so sort of social traditionalist but economic libertarian. So he believes that the state should uh, not make any moves to do anything that would undermine the family. So the state will, for example, um, have fairly conservative laws about abortion, fairly conservative laws about divorce. It'll also have cons- uh, sort of conservative laws ag- against immigration. But uh, economically speaking, he would favour state deregulation, continued deregulation of the economy, abolition of any remaining tariffs and, 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 and things like that. So um, conservative socially, but sort of libertarian economically. Um, the problem is libertarians tend to be uh, quite left-leaning socially and uh, libertarian economically. So uh, other libertarians in the Liberal Party 
would, for example, be quite in favour of same-sex marriage, quite in favour of abortion on demand, and at the same time very much in favour of continuing to deregulate the economy. And these competing values can clash, especially in a situation where you have a political party that requires an element of discipline to keep them all united, and that's essentially what's going on. The two conservatisms um, uh, are butting heads with one another. Let's talk about Bernardi moving to the crossbench because there are a number of conservatives on the crossbench and uh, people would list among those, of course, Pauline Hanson and also, uh, to a degree, Nick Xenophon. Uh, Bernardi's going to need to find his own place on the crossbench. Uh, what are your thoughts about how that, pre- that process, that transition might work? Yeah, well, I mean, Bernardi doesn't easily fit... Uh, among uh, sort of fit in, in any particular group among the conservatives on, on the crossbench, uh, cons- conservatism on the crossbench isn't really uh, tightly united. For example, he doesn't fit particularly well with Pauline Hanson because although he'll um, agree with Pauline Hanson and appeal to One Nation supporters on his stance on immigration and possibly on his stance on same-sex marriage, he'll very much be out of step with them when it comes to uh, protecting Australian industries and uh, protecting Australian jobs from overseas, from overseas, from, from businesses moving overseas. He, he's basically a laissez-faire free trader. And one of Pauline Hanson's key axiomatic policies is, is protectionism. Uh, you know, likewise, you know, he, he probably won't appeal that much to someone else who's often called a conservative, and that is... Uh, someone like Nick Xenophon, who is not particularly socially conservative. Uh, He certainly won't appeal to those who would vote for Darren Hinch because Darren Hinch is socially a libertarian. Darren Hinch stands for same-sex marriage. He stands for the legalisation of cannabis. So, again, the conservative side uh, can only really be called a conservative side very, very loosely. It's a very... uh, You know, they're not unified and... You know, it'd be very hard for him to create any any sort of voting block uh, from existing self-described conservatives on the Senate. He's going to have to try and recruit more senators with his own party, and that's not going to be easy because uh, in South Australia, he'll have to deal with the popularity of Nick Xenophon, and of course, in other states like Queensland and increasingly Western Australia. Uh, the, the, the people disgruntled with the major parties uh, putting their conservative votes towards One Nation, which just recently polled 13% in uh, Western Australia in, a, in an opinion poll. So he's got, he's got a, hard, a hard road to hoe. Do you think, Steve, that he is riding on the back of what we've seen internationally as we look at the US election and where people talked about the Democrats being socialists, you had the Republicans being conservative, and then somewhere outside of the mix of the two traditional ideologies, you had Trump, and so Trumpism. Is Bernardi, and we know that he spent three months in the US, uh, and being somewhat inspired by Donald Trump, is he seeing himself, do you think, or is he positioning himself in a similar way to something that is outside of the traditional mould of what you might expect on each side of politics and, and coming up with a whole new brand? And while we talked about Trumpism, is this like a Bernardiism we're looking we're seeing now? Yeah, I, I think to some extent he is, although, of course, what's going on in the US in terms of Trump 
you know, becoming president and essentially leading the nation is not going to happen in Australia, you know, with Cory Bernardi. And of course, that's an obvious point to make. But indeed, he has set himself up as essentially a, a, a force quite unique and one um, quite different from the prevailing uh, dynamic in the Liberal Party and certainly the prevailing dynamic in the Labour Party. So I, I certainly think that recently he's probably been more sort of um, buoyed on by what's happened uh, um, in America with Trump. I mean, we have to remember that Corey Bernardi had set himself apart uh, from a, a lot of sort of mainstream liberal and labor politics a couple of years ago when he released his book, The Conservative Revolution, I think it was called. And he more or less outlined his own sort of social economic principles in that book. So he's, he's really seen himself as sort of a, a unique proponent of a particular brand of conservatism uh, for, for, for years now. And I think all that uh, the Trump phenomenon in America has done is merely sort of encouraged him and and given him more enthusiasm and and maybe confirmed him in his present stance. But I I don't think it's sort of influenced him heavily. I think this is probably something that... I think we can take his word for it. This is probably something that's been building up for quite a long time now because uh, the Liberal Party itself has very, very bitter... um, in rivalries between the pure libertarians and the social traditionalists, and it can get quite nasty at points. And uh, Bernardi obviously has been trying to fight that for years now, and now he's basically decided that it's a lost cause, or at the very least that he's not going to be particularly effective in it, and therefore he's going it alone, uh, as, as, as we might say. Uh, so um, influenced by Trump? I don't think so. Um, uh, uh, in some ways encouraged by Trump, yes. Let me just draw into our conversation, given that we're speaking today on the National Christian Broadcaster, and uh, let's bring in religion into the mix here, because you can tend to talk about politics by way of talking about a secularism and a way that uh, talks about all of these different uh, isms and connections and uh, libertarianism, those sorts of things. When we bring in Corey Bernardi's religious affiliations, uh, a solid Christian of Catholic faith, uh, what difference does it make uh, to the way that he may see the world, uh, given that he's coming from these uh, Catholic Christian uh, solid foundations uh, that uh, that give him his uh, his social uh, ideals. Well, I mean, uh, Corey Bernardi's uh, social ideals, I have no doubt, come from his fairly conservative Catholic upbringing. Uh, the extent to which he self-identifies as a Christian is something that's a, a, a sort of a bit ambiguous. I've I've heard that he actually doesn't self-identify as someone who sort of holds to the traditional Christian creeds at all. But there's no doubt that he would be a fellow traveller with what you might call conservative Christianity. So there's very little doubt in my mind that he's been profoundly influenced um, by a conservative kind of Catholicism. And that is obviously uh, sort of playing out right now in the way he sees his place in the Liberal Party, which, again, over the last 20 years has been going sort of in terms of social policy more and more uh, to the left, and particularly after Howard uh, finished up in 2007. 
so, I mean, where all this will lead, you know, one, one doesn't know, but th there's no doubt that religion still has uh, some influence in Australian politics. Uh, and that will almost certainly always be the case. I note that some uh, conservative uh, lobbyists, I'm talking about the Australian Christian lobby, Lyle Shelton has a blog, and uh, he is saying that the Bernardi exit signals greater competition for voters who care about marriage, about freedom of speech, and the truth about gender. And uh, I suspect that uh, is signalling uh, a positive response uh, coming from the likes of the Australian Christian lobby. When you reflect on whether this is a good thing for conservatism and uh, for some of those sorts of issues that the ACL might reflect on, uh, how do you see uh, this move? Is this a good thing or, or, or has it got the potential to unravel and, and become a real mess? Well, it's potentially too early really to tell. I mean, a lot of it will depend on the extent to which other self-described conservatives in the Senate will vote with Cory Bernardi on, on, on socially conservative issues, whether they'll vote for him uh, um, on, on the issues like same-sex marriage and, and, and kindred issues. So it's very early to tell. I mean, you know, part of me sort of says, you know, it would have been good if he had stayed in uh, the Liberal Party and continued to try and reform it. And, of course, other of his colleagues have said similar things as well um, yesterday and today. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it has to be also acknowledged that the Liberal Party, um, you know, a, a large section of the dynamic of the Liberal Party has been captured by those who have no sympathy whatsoever uh, for the conservative, uh, for the cons uh, traditionalist conservatism, social conservatism. And... Um, Maybe the best that we can hope for at this stage is that Corey Bernardi does have a lot of success in marshalling um, support for himself um, among existing uh, crossbenchers in the Senate and also some success in getting a couple of senators of his own uh, in the next federal election and that creating a kind of voting block that the Liberal Party will have to take a lot of notice of when it formulates its own policies. Uh, perhaps the best that can be hoped for is that uh, Corey Bernardi will be able to establish a significant conservative force in the Senate and that will limit the extent to which the more social libertarian conservatives in the Liberal Party will be able to shape policy along the, the lines of their own agenda. And in fact, as you sort of pointed out at the beginning of the interview, um, it's clear that Malcolm Turnbull has been heavily uh, constrained by existing conservative elements in the Liberal Party, and that has not helped his um, his overall uh, ratings uh, very much at all. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, look, great insights, and we've run out of time. There's so much more we could talk about, and perhaps uh, we'll be talking again in the not-too-distant future. Dr. Stephen Chavura. Uh, political theorist and intellectual historian, uh, ARC Senior Research Associate with the Department of Modern History, Politics and International Relations at Macquarie University in Sydney. Stephen, uh, always fabulous insights and uh, certainly appreciate you taking some time to talk to us today, to talk to our listeners uh, here on 2020. Uh, thanks for being with us. Thank you very much, Neil. It was my pleasure. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported.
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.